This is Marriage to the Max, episode number five. Welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. Hey there. Hi there. Oh there. I'm your co-host, Kelly Hurst. <laughs> Sorry. And just, you are. <laughs> oh, I'm uh, Brett Hurst. <laughs> and we are marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement. Yep. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. Yep, yep. Our hope is very simple. We just want to encourage you in your marriage relationship because we believe that healthy marriage should be a front burner conversation. And so we are sitting here today to help that happen. I'm excited to be here, Kel. So in this, I'm glad. I'm glad you have t- uh, taken in your caffeine this morning. Yep. So in this episode, we're going to be discussing divine romance. Is there any other kind? Did I say that in a sensual enough tone? Divine romance. <laughs> wow. We may need to stop tape. Okay. A little too early for that. All right. Um, I, but before we jump in, I have this conversation that I want to like have with you because I w- want to pick your brain on this. You ready? I, sure. <laughs> wow. Okay. So yesterday I was in Starbucks. Uh-huh. I, uh, ran in there early went yesterday morning to get my fix. I mean, my mocha. And, you know, pretty crowded morning traffic in there. And I'm standing there waiting for my drink order. And there's this couple sitting in a corner at a little cozy table. And they are absolutely full in googly-eyed. I mean, just like sitting as close as they can possibly sit. Their hands are intertwined. Uh Their faces are like just, you know, inches apart, and they're whispering in each other's ears, and they're kissing. And it's just like, the funny thing was they were like probably in their late 40s, maybe even early 50s. I know. And this is what I started thinking was, I was first, I was trying to look for wedding rings, like to see if they were even a married couple. But my thought process was, I wondered if they were, had either just started dating or they were having an affair. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and I was like trying to discreetly watch them behind my sunglasses <laughs> and try to figure out. And I thought, that's so sad <laughs> that that would be my thought because... Here we are, you know, we're trying to get people to, you know, thrive in their marriage oh, okay. and, and have fun in their marriage. I'm thinking, why couldn't this be a couple who've been married 25 or 30 years and so they're you, still enjoying each other's googly-eyedness? Okay, so your point is that it you defaulted to believing that they couldn't possibly be. Yeah, exactly. And I thought, am I – I'm a marriage educator and I'm that cynical that I would assume that they either just started dating and they're in that phase – or um, they, you know, <laughs> have something going on on the side. We have moments like that. <laughs> I know, but it just... It's I, not at Starbucks. I but. just felt bad. I thought, I, I there's my cynical side, you know, popping up there, and it, it made me a little sad that I would... That that would be my default thought process. You see, we're going to be part of changing the culture to where that is the norm instead of the exception. I know, and after I drove off, I thought, I should have gone up to him and gone, how long have y'all been married? 
But then, like, if they were having an affair, that would have just totally freaked them out. <laughs> that would not have They been would have good. gone running from Starbucks. But anyway. Okay, so that's my little story. So now we're going to jump into divine romance. Well, take it away. <laughs> okay. Well, we, of course, believe that making our marriages whole and healthy is a very spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. Um from Genesis 2, 24, Scripture says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh, which is a holy experience because only God could have created that. I remember when I was in college and I was a new Christian and saw that verse for the first time and thought that was an amazing piece of Scripture. Definitely. And this relationship that God says is sacred and holy, we are, of course, supposed to tend to it and nurture it, and romance is one of the great ways that we can do that. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily think of romance as being a very biblical idea, but if you think about all the scriptures that compare the marriage relationship to Christ and the church— you know, if you think about God being a jealous lover over his people, which he's described at mm-hmm. in Scripture, yep. if we think about the persistent pursuit that God is always in over each one of our hearts, you know, um, romantic imagery is all through the Bible. And just look at Song of Solomon. Definitely. And our marriages are the stage where the height of romance gets to play out, and so That's a very exciting thing. It's the appropriate platform for it, actually. Absolutely. So we thought we'd talk today about how to keep romance alive and kicking, and we're going to just jump right in now. There's lots of books and articles and even Bible studies that talk about rekindling romance, and but these are kind of some of our own ideas that we thought we'd talk about today. Well, first of all, uh, we always talk about how important it is to date your mate in encourages you to have that attitude of pursuit, you know, that same attitude that you had when you were so focused on the one you loved during that time before you were married. I remember I was singularly focused. I think that's all I did was (laughs) pursue you for a couple of years there. Uh, And we really believe in this. We know it's actually more important for spouses to date when they are married than when they were single. Mm Mm-hmm. Seems a little counterintuitive uh, these days. Uh, We're not going to unpack that too much because we talk about that in more detail uh, in a previous podcast. But the main points about that, we've talked about this before, is to date big, hit all the obvious special occasions, uh, date often, try to have a weekly date, uh, shoot for overnight dates a few times a year, that kind of thing. Date creatively. Uh, That means that it doesn't have to be Always the same dinner and a movie routine, Uh, think outside the box. Date fun. When we say date fun, we mean keep the daily grind kind of conversations, the the family business type of conversations. Keep that out of your dating life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Save those conversations for other times. The, The goal of dating is just to hang out, have fun, enjoy each other, have a good time. We'd like to recommend a book that just came out in 2012 called Date Your Wife by Justin Buzzard. It's a small little book with a red cover, a good resource. 
Yeah, I remember when we talked to this one couple and they were talking about trying to incorporate dating again into their marriage and and they just didn't seem to want to put it on the calendar that often. And so when we broke it down, we asked like, well, what do y'all do on your dates? And he goes, well, usually when we go out on our dates, she's wanting to like talk about all of our problems. And we go, there you go. That's yeah. why nobody wants to go, you know? I'd, I'd stop those dates. <laughs> That's not very fun. So the second thing we talk about is saving your bed for the good stuff, which of course, has its own implications. But what we mean by that is... What do you mean? To try to like save your sticky conversations for outside of the bedroom. Like if you're going to have to resolve a problem or you got to talk about daily grind stuff, mm-hmm. do that on the sofa in the living room or out on the patio or at the kitchen table and kind of create this environment that your bedroom is a place that's like a sanctuary. You know, your bed should be a place for lovemaking and... For what? (laughs) For reading and resting and, you know, just if you kind of create that space, even in a sense that you're not having your arguments and your fights and everything in the bedroom and in bed, um, I think it sort of creates a a thing in your mind where you walk into the bedroom and you just go, ah, you know, Mm. this is a good space. Hmm. Okay, well, I'm going to hang a poster in our bedroom that says, this space yes. dedicated for fun and what'd you call it? Love making. Love making. What did I call it? <laughs> yeah, cross stitch that on a pillow. Yes. Okay, well, uh, another obvious thing related to that would be to go to bed at the same time. Actually, it seems obvious. It's not really obvious because this is a real struggle for a lot of couples. Mm-hmm. We have crazy schedules. Very typically in couple situations, one of the two might be a night owl. The other one hits hits the bed early. Uh, maybe one of you has to catch up on sleep. Maybe you both have struggles with insomnia from time to time. So uh, it's very easy to get caught in the predicament of going to bed at different times because sometimes it, it just can't be helped. But make that the exception rather than the rule because the more you can actively change your routine towards the goal, the more intimacy you're going to experience together. I mean, it just stands to reason that you'll have more opportunities to be intimate if you're in the same room the at same the same room time. At the same time, yes. <laughs> well, what about our next tip? It's, I think this is kind of along the lines that men need to kind of think about more than women. Well, as I learned somewhat late in the game, guys learn the art of non-sexual touch. You may not be aware there is such a thing as non-sexual yeah, touch. Yeah, break that down. What is non-sexual touch? Well, I think it's uh, – well, you get back rubs and things like that every night. I love the back rubs. Yeah. I think my definition of non-sexual touch is touch that's not going anywhere. Uh-huh. You know, it's just – See, but guys always think there's always that chance. I know. And there is a chance, I think, if you have more non-sexual touch, okay. there's probably a greater chance that one of those non-sexual touches is going to go somewhere. So we got to kind of think backwards. <laughs> probably. Okay, I'll reprogram you, that, my that's, mind. That's a mantra for marriage right there. We got to think backwards. Cross-stitch well, that on a pillow. It is true that when your wife senses that the only time you touch her is when you're feeling amorous, let's say, and she learns to consequently not fully appreciate your touch. So she needs to have you touch her in non-sexual ways throughout the day, um, not just at night when you may or may not get lucky. Uh, (laughs) If you master the art of this, then what you're telling me is the bedroom might become a place where 
things might sizzle. I think that's true. Very, very well spoke. Well, thank you. Very much. Okay, so our next tip is to keep a little mystery going in the relationship. Um, Angela Lansbury was married for many, many years to the love of her life, and she was during an interview one time. Uh, the interviewer asked her, you know, what cap- kept the flame burning in her marriage, and she said. Well, you've got to keep a little mystery alive. And her example was, you know, don't struggle to get into your pantyhose right in front of your husband. He doesn't really need to see that. Yes. And so I say to like to guys, you know, go ahead and close that bathroom door. You know, there are just (laughs) some things as intimate as you are in marriage. There are some things that we just don't really need to be seeing or knowing about. (laughs) I think I know exactly exactly what you're talking about. Okay. And then finally, to do the little things. Uh, The little things can uh, often mean the most in a marriage. It can show that you're thinking of them even in the most mundane, routine aspects of life, thinking about your spouse, that is. And if, if you think about it, that's very romantic, that even in just little offbeat moments of your day Mm -hmm. that you're thinking about the other person. I know it is all about the little things. Yeah. You're listening to Marriage to the Max. Welcome back to Marriage to the Max, and we are continuing our conversation about divine romance. So we have laid out here. You're supposed to be laughing when I say it that way. Oh, well, like, that's I, a cute thing. I laughed. There you go. So we've laid out a few tips before the break to remember in thinking about keeping your romance alive in your marriage. And I think romance is definitely something that you have to sort of just kind of keep it stoked. You know, you have to keep working right. at it. It's not just going to kind of naturally build and grow. Got to be something you practice. For instance, complimenting each other. You want to say nice things about your spouse. Get in the habit. I think it was Mark Twain uh, that said he could live a full month on nothing but a single compliment. That's The honest truth is that a lot of people are not good at giving compliments, and we've known a lot of people like that. And maybe the reason for that is they didn't hear compliments growing up as kids. Maybe they're just lazy about it. Maybe their personality is not inclined to help them be the type of person that's wired to give compliments. It doesn't matter. Everybody can learn how to do it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And not doing it, not giving a steady diet of compliments to your spouse robs you of a Great opportunity to invest for big dividends in your marriage, relationally speaking. You should be your spouse's biggest fan. So if if this is a particular struggle area for you, set this as a personal goal. I need to be the person who compliments and validates my wife or my husband more than anyone else in the world. That's awesome. I like that idea. Well, our next tip is... Wait, how am I doing on that with you? You're doing great. You compliment me all the time. And what's even... I What I think is even a step beyond that is to compliment your spouse 
to other people, uh-huh. which I think is really big. You know, they they say that kids especially like to hear their their parents uh, speak nicely about them to other people, you know, especially if you don't think they're listening. Right. You know, that's kind of a cool thing. And in marriage, too, that's nice to know that your spouse is speaking highly of you to other people, people they work with, and it's good. Good. I, like I wasn't that. necessarily fishing for compliments. I'm mm-hmm. just kind of doing the report card thing. There you go. Just and the podcast sure. is the place to do that, I guess. <laughs> All right. Okay, the second tip that we have, and this is more kind of more geared for women, but I believe this is your favorite tip that we have on the list today, which is to keep pretty, sexy lingerie on hand. I'm sorry, I didn't get that. Yeah, to keep pretty, sexy lingerie on hand. There's actually studies that have been that have shown that even for women who struggle with fatigue, which is a huge thing. I mean, Mm -hmm. especially among married women who are either moms and or working full time or all of the above. You know, most women will say fatigue is their biggest block to wanting to have sex. I mean, by the time they fall into bed, they are just exhausted. And so, but there are studies that have showed that if you put on something a little sexier than what you normally wear to bed, that that will actually help motivate things to kind of heat up in the bedroom. And so, um, you know, most, a lot of women buy sexy lingerie on their, for their honeymoon, but then they don't invest in that. Uh, I, I say, have that as a line item on your family budget. I think that's a great line item for a family really budget. Like that idea. And I'll work on something for me too. Uh, also, your spouse is more important than your marriage. This is an interesting conversation. Recently, divorced friend of yours uh, told you that when she and her husband were starting to have marital problems, that she said she felt that he cared more about the institution of their marriage mm-hmm. than he did for her. So sometimes we get a little diverted there, and we're talking about saving the marriage or having a healthy marriage, which is good stuff, Mm -hmm. but not it's not more important than the actual person. Right. I mean, by caring for the person, the people in the marriage, you are caring for the institution of your marriage. Right. Um, But to kind of think in terms of we have an image to keep up, or you know, we want to save our marriage because of our kids, but then we're not really treating one another. We're not really going deep. In yeah. a personal way, where we're growing really caring in intimacy for the and other all of person. that. Yeah, I think that can be kind of a backwards way of of saving things. But I, I like that idea too. And, and you're right. I think there are people that, for whatever reason, don't want to admit failure in the area of marriage, in mm-hmm. the area of relationships, and so forth. That's one of the things I think we try to do a lot is to normalize failure. Not that that's what we're getting couples to shoot for. Mm-hmm. We're not asking couples to shoot for failure, but that it's an inevitable thing and component of any relation, any long-term relationship. Over time, you're going to have bad days. Over time, you're going to have episodes where you really blow it as a couple. Mm-hmm. And welcome to the club. It, yeah. It's okay. You know, it's part of a healthy marriage because we're human beings and we, we uh, reset and, and then we get back on track. I love that story about a few years ago, NASA went back and took all the air-to-ground transmissions from uh, the Apollo program from, uh, I think it was Apollo 8 to 17, all the trips to the moon and back. Mm -hmm. And they determined that based on the recordings and everything that they studied and listened to, that 84% of the time, the spacecraft to and from the moon was off track. Mm -hmm. And then they would fire the little 
retro rockets and get back on course and so forth. So if you parallel that uh, story to marriage, most of the time we're off track, but, mm-hmm. but it's okay. Hey, we're heading to the moon or right. we're heading to the earth. As long as we're staying on track, even when we get off in the ditch a little bit here and there, we can confess those things to each other and to the Lord. We can get things right again quickly mm-hmm. and, and get back uh on the bigger track to where we're heading together. Right. They say that, you know, permanent change tends to happen with little changes over time rather than drastic changes here and there. And I think that's what you're saying is that you just keep moving in the right direction and you'll you'll get there. Good book on the two degree difference that you're Mm -hmm. talking about by uh, John Trent. Mm -hmm. That is a good book. Okay, so we also talk about finding your thing, and what we mean by that is to not just find something that you enjoy doing together, but find your own song, your own little mantra, your own uh, place that you meet up, you know, to just have a little 30 minutes of undivided attention. Maybe it's a Starbucks by your house or something. Um, For example, you know, instead of just saying I love you as your default way of saying I love you. You know, find something different to say or write. We know one couple who, instead of saying I love you every day, they say I'm I'm yours to each other. Just to change it up, just to have something that's just their kind of signature. I you know, heart you. Why are you? No, don't say that one. We know another couple who's been married over 50 years, and he still refers to her as my bride when he's talking about her to someone else. And so find a little signature thing that's just y'all's thing. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, we like talking about making your home the place to be. In, in other words, guarding your, your marriage relationship and your family and creating an atmosphere in your home to where it's inviting for both of you. It's mm-hmm. that sanctuary that, that, that everyone needs, mm-hmm. and it's where you particularly want to be at the end of a long day. I mm-hmm. mean, yesterday we had a very long day. Today will be another one. <laughs> we have many of them, and it's great to just collapse at home Yeah, where it's our little place together, and uh, we're, we're what? <laughs> Dead at the end of a long day. <laughs> but we definitely both want to be there, so that's, that's, right. the, that's the thing. Uh, so, you know, find ways to prioritize things like your chores, and, and even if you do business at home, uh, even create a space away from that somehow to, to where you really have true downtime together in your home. Try to take time with, with your meals. Try to linger at the table. Eat at the table more often. You know, Time mm-hmm. Magazine did a cover story a couple of years ago about all the tremendous benefits for families that sit around the table and eat meals together. It's mm-hmm. the same for uh, just married couples. Really enjoy being together. Enjoy being at home. That's awesome. We also talk about putting your spouse at the very top of your list. A lot of us can have a tendency to take better care of our cars and our houses or our golf clubs than we do our marriages. And we try to tell people to make sure that your spouse knows that they are VIP, number one in your life. Mm -hmm. Your partner should know that you will take a call from them while at the office, absolutely no matter what, unless you are just completely, you know, cannot get to a phone. I have done that many, many times. Right. Put them first beyond any other person in your life, including your kids, which can be very difficult sometimes, Mm -hmm. including your boss, your employees, your friends, your in-laws. Be creative in all the different ways that you can show your spouse that he or she really is your 
absolute priority. Good idea. Dr. Steve Stevens says that the principle is very simple. If your partner doesn't feel he or she is special, special to you, sooner or later, she or he will find someone that makes them feel special. And again, that's how trouble starts. Right. So many of us are working at doing so many other things in our life where we're trying to improve things. You know, this is kind of the world of self-improvement. You know, we're striving to be better at our career. We're trying to learn more about the things we're interested in, maybe our hobbies. We're out trying to perfect our golf game or our tennis game. So few of us try to actually spend time perfecting loving our spouses, which is so sad Mm -hmm. uh, because we've been given a lifetime in this relationship, uh, those that are married, to learn how to do it well. That's part of the challenge and the fun of being married for a long, long time is learning how to do it Mm -hmm. on the job. Mm -hmm. And there is no more, we believe, no more valiant endeavor than doing that. When we love our spouse well, we honor Christ, it makes us better people in the world too. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to be around couples that are Mm self-centered, you know, I mean, I just don't know how. Or who are crabby. (laughs) <laughs> well, then, then nobody wants to be around me on certain days. That's not what I meant. I just meant unhappy couples is what I meant. Yeah, right. Well, thank you for clarifying. <laughs> well, if you would like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. You can also check out homeencouragement.org, or you can email us at thehursts at homeencouragement.org, and that's spelled H-U-R-S-T-S. Also, we hope you'll follow us on Facebook and Twitter. So until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.